Chapter 3 of The Complete Book of Cheese. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Complete Book of Cheese by Robert Carlton Brown. Chapter 3 Foreign Greats. Ode to Cheese. God of the country, bless today thy cheese, for which we give thee thanks on bended knees. Let them be fat or light, with onions blent, shallots, brine, pepper, honey, whether scent of sheep or fields is in them, in the yard let them, good lord, at dawn be beaten hard, and let their edges take on silvery shades, under the moist red hands of dairymaids, and round and greenish let them go to town, weighing the shepherd's folding mantle down, whether from Palmer or from Jura Heights, kneaded by august hands of Carmelites, stamped with the mitre of a proud abbess, flowered with the perfume to the grass of Bresse, from hollow holland from the vosges from brie from roquefort gorgonzola italy bless them good lord best stilton's royal fare red cheshire and the tearful cream gruyere from jethro bithell's translation of a poem by m thomas braun symphonie des fromages a giant cantal seeming to have been chopped open with an axe stood aside of a golden-hued chester and a swiss gruyere resembling the wheel of a roman chariot there were dutch edams round and blood-red and poor salut lined up like soldiers on parade three brie's side by side suggested faces of the moon two of them very dry were amber-coloured and full and the third in its second quarter was runny and creamy with a milky way which no human barrier seemed able to restrain and all the while majestic roquefort looked down with princely contempt upon the other through the glass of their crystal covers emile zola in nineteen fifty three the United States Department of Agriculture published Handbook Number 54, entitled Cheese Varieties and Descriptions, with this comment. There probably are only about 18 distinct types or kinds of natural cheese. All the rest, more than 400 names, are of local origin, usually named after towns or communities. A list of the best-known names applied to each of these distinct varieties or groups is given. Brick, Camembert, Cheddar, Cottage, Cream, Edam, Gouda, Hand, Limburger, Neufchâtel, Parmesan, Provolone, Romano, Roquefort, Sapsago, Swiss, Trappist, Whey cheeses, Musost, and uh, Ricotta. May we nominate another dozen to form our own cheese hall of fame? We begin our list with a partial roll call of the Big Blues family, and end it with members of the monastic order of Port Salut Trappist that includes Canadian ochre and our own Kentucky thoroughbred the blues that are green stilton roquefort and gorgonzola form the triumvirate that rules a world of lesser blues they are actually green as green as the mythical cheese the moon is made of in almost every land where cheese is made you can sample a handful of lesser blues and imitations of the invincible three and try to classify them until you're blue in the face the best we can do in this slight summary is to mention a few of the most notable aside from our own blues of minnesota wisconsin oregon and other states that made it in cheese danish blues are popular and splendidly made such as flower of denmark the argentine competes with a pampas grass blue all its own but france and england are the leaders in this line france first with a sort of triple triumvirate within a triumvirate setmoncel gex and sassinage all three made with three milks mixed together cow goat and sheep Setmoncel is the leader of these, made in the Jura Mountains, and considered by many French cassiophiles to outrank a roquefort. This class of blue or marbled cheese is called fromage persillé, 
as well as fromage bleu and pâte bleu. Similar mountain cheeses are made in Auvergne and Aubrac, and have distinct qualities that have brought them fame, such as Cantal, Bleu d'Auvergne-Guillol, or Laguiole, Bleu de Salaire, and Saint-Flor. Olivet and Queville come within the colour scheme, and sundry others, such as Champollion, Journiac, Queyra, and Saraz. Of English blues, there are several celebrities besides Stilton and Cheshire Stilton. Wensleydale was one in the early days, and still is, together with Blue Dorset, the deepest green of them all. An esoteric blue vinny, a choosy cheese not liked by everybody, the favourite of Thomas Hardy. Brie. Sheila Hibben once wrote in The New Yorker, I can't imagine any difference of opinion about Brie's being the queen of all cheeses, and if there is any such difference, I shall certainly ignore it. The very shape of Brie, so uncheese-like and so charmingly fragile, is exciting. Nine times out of ten, a Brie will let you down, will be all caked into layers which shows it is too young, or at the overrunny stage, which means it's too old. But when you come on the tenth brie, coulant to just the right, delicate creaminess and the colour of fresh sweet butter, no other cheese can compare with it. The season of brie, like that of oysters, is simple to remember. Only months with an R, beginning with September, which is the best, bar none. Cacciocavallo from Bulgaria to Turkey, the Italian horse cheese, as Cacciocavallo translates, is as universally popular as it is at home, and in all the little Italies throughout the rest of the world. Flattering imitations are made and named after it as follows. Bulgaria, Kashkaval, Greece, Kashkavalo and Kaskaval, Hungary, Parenita, Romania, Pendele and Kaskaval, Serbia, Kaskavals, Syria, Kaskavalo, Transylvania, Kaskaval, as in Romania, Turkey, Kaskaval Penir, and Yugoslavia, Kakavalt. A horse's head printed on the cheese gave rise to its popular name, and to the myth that it is made of mare's milk. It is, however, curded from cow's milk, whole or partly skimmed, and sometimes from water buffalo. Hard, yellow, and so buttery that the best of it, which comes from Sorrento, is called Cacioburro, butter cheese. Slightly salty, with a spicy tang, it is eaten sliced when young and mild, and used for grating and seasoning when old, not only on the usual Italian pastes, but on sweets. Different from the many grating cheeses made from little balls of curd called grana, Cacciocavalla is a pasta fileta, or drawn curd product. Because of this, it is sometimes drawn out in long thick threads and braided. It is a cheese for skilled artists to make sculptures with, sometimes horses' heads, again bunches of grapes and other fruits, even as provolone is shaped like apples and pears, and often worked into elaborate bas-relief designs. But ordinarily the horse's head is a plain ten-pin in shape, or a squat bottle with a knob on the side, by which it has been tied up, two cheeses at a time, on opposite sides of a rafter, while being smoked lightly golden and rubbed with olive oil and butter to make it all the more buttery. In Calabria and Sicily it is very popular, and although the best comes from Sorrento, there is keen competition from Abruzzi, Apulian province, and Molise. It keeps well and doesn't spoil when shipped overseas. In his Little Book of Cheese, Osbert Burdett recommends the high horsey strength of this smoked catcher over tomato smoke after dinner. Only monsters smoke at meals, but a monster assured me that Gorgonzola best survives this malpractice. Clearly, some pungency is necessary, and confidence suggests rather cacio, which would survive anything, the monster said. Camembert. Camembert is called mold matured, and all that is genuine is labelled Syndicat du vrai Camembert. The name in full 
his Syndicat des Fabricants du Vertebal Camembert de Normandie, and we agree that this is a most useful association for the defence of one of the best cheeses of France. Its extremely delicate piquants cannot be matched, except perhaps by Brie. Napoleon is said to have named it, and to have kissed the waitress who first served it to him in the tiny town of Camembert, and there a statue stands today in the marketplace to honour Marie Harel, who made the first Camembert. Camembert is equally good on thin slices of apple, pineapple, pear, French flute, or pumpernickel. As with brie and with oysters, Camembert should be eaten only in the R months, and of these, September is the best. Since Camembert rhymes with beware, if you can't get the véritable, don't fall for a domestic imitation or any West German abomination, such as one dressed like a valentine in a heart-shaped box and labelled Camembert, cheese exquisite. They are equally tasteless, chalky with youth, or choking with ammoniacal gas when old and decrepit. Cheddar. The English Encyclopedia of Practical Cookery says, Cheddar cheese is one of the kings of cheese. It is pale-coloured, mellow, salvy, and when good, resembling a hazelnut in flavour. The cheddar principle pervades the whole cheese-making districts of America, Canada, and New Zealand, but no cheese imported into England can equal the cheddars of Somerset and the west of Scotland. Named for a village near Bristol, where farmer Joseph Harding first manufactured it, the best is still called farmhouse cheddar, but in America we have practically none of this. Farmhouse cheddar must be ripened at least nine months to a mellowness, and little of our American cheese gets as much as that. Back in 1695, John Horton wrote that it contended in goodness, if kept from two to five years according to magnitude, with any cheese in England. Today it is called England's second best cheese, second after Stilton, of course. In early days a large cheese sufficed for a year or two of family feeding, according to this old note. A big cheddar can be kept for two years in excellent condition if kept in a cool room and turned over every other day. But in old England some were harder to preserve. In Bath, I asked one lady of the larder how she kept cheddar cheese. Her eyes twinkled. We don't keep cheese. We eats it. Cheshire. A Cheshireman sailed into Spain to trade for merchandise. When he arrived from the main, a Spaniard him espies, who said, You English rogue, look here. What fruits and spices fine our land produces twice a year. Thou hast not such in thine. The Cheshireman ran to his hold and fetched a Cheshire cheese, and said, Look here, you dog, behold, we have such fruits as these. Your fruits are ripe but twice a year, as you yourself do say. But such as I present you here, our land brings twice a day. Anonymous. Let us pass on to cheese. We have some glorious cheeses, and far too few people glorying in them. The cheddar of the inn, of the chop-house, of the average English home, is a libel on a thing which, when authentic, is worthy of great honour. Cheshire, divinely commanded into existence as to three parts to proceed, and as to one part to accompany certain tawny ports and some late bottle ports, can be a thing for which the British Navy ought to fire a salute, on the principle on which Colonel Brisson made his regiment salute when passing the great Burgundian vineyard. T. L. Welby, in The Dinanel. Cheshire is not only the most literary cheese in England, but the oldest. It was already manufactured when Caesar conquered Britain, and tradition is that the Romans built the walled city of Chester to control the district where the precious cheese was made. Chester, on the River Dee, was a stronghold against the Roman invasion. It came to fame with the old Cheshire cheese in Elizabethan times, and waxed great with Samuel Johnson presiding at the Fleet Street Inn, where white Cheshire was served with radishes or watercress or celery when in season, and red Cheshire was served toasted or stewed in a sort of Welsh rabbit. See chapter 5. 
The blue variety is called Cheshire Stilton, and Vivian Holland in Cheddar Gorge suggests that it was no doubt a cheese of this sort discovered and filched from the larder of the Queen of Hearts that accounted for the contented grin on the face of the Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland. All very English, as recorded in Victor Mersey's couplet. Don le Chester sec et rose, allons donc l'anglais mort. In the Chester dry and pink, the long teeth of the English sink. Edam and Gouda. Edam in peace and war. They're also coming into the river two Dutchmen. We sent a couple of men on board and brought three Holland cheeses, cost four pence apiece, excellent cheeses. From Pepys Diary, March the second, sixteen sixty three. Commodore Coe of the Montevidian Navy defeated Admiral Brown of the Buenos Aires Navy in a naval battle when he used Holland cheese for cannonballs. The Harbinger, Vermont, December the eleventh, eighteen forty seven. The crimson cannonballs of Holland have been heard around the world. Known as red balls in England and Katzenkopf, cat's head in Germany, they differ from Gouda chiefly in the shape, Gouda being round but flattish, and now chiefly imported as one-pound baby Goudas. Edam, when it is good, is very, very good, but when it is bad, it is horrid. Sophisticated ones are sent over already scalloped for the ultimate consumer to add port, and there are crocks of Holland cheese potted with sautane. Both Edam and Gouda should be well-aged to develop full-bodied quality, two years being the accepted standard for Edam. The best Edams result from a perfect combination of breed, black and white Dutch Frisian, and feed, the rich pasturage of Friesland and Nord Holland. The Goudas, shaped like English Derby and Belgium Deft and Leiden, come from South Holland, some especially made for the Jewish trade and called kosher Gouda. Both Edam and Gouda are eaten at mealtimes thrice daily in Holland. A Dutch breakfast without one or the other on black bread with butter and black coffee would be unthinkable. They're also boon companions to plum bread and Dutch cocoa. Eclair Edams are those with soft insides. Emmentala, Gruyere and Swiss. When the working woman takes her midday lunch, it is a piece of Gruyere, which for her takes the place of roast. Victor Mersey. Whether an Emmentaler is eminently Schweizer Käse, Grand Gruyere from France, or lesser Swiss of the United States, the shape, size and glisten of the eyes indicate the stage of ripeness, skill of making and quality of flavour. They must be uniform, roundish, about the size of a big cherry and, most important of all, must glisten like the eye of a lass in love, dry, but with the suggestion of a tear. Gruyere does not see eye to eye with the big old Swiss sawn and cartwheel or American imitation. It has tiny holes in many of them. Let us say it is freckled with pinholes rather than pockmarked. This variety is technically called a Nistler, while one without any holes at all is blind. Eyes or holes are also called vesicles. Cuillère Trauben, grape Cuillère, is aged in Neuchâtel wine in Switzerland, although most Cuillère has been made in France since its introduction there in 1722. The most famous is made in the Jura, and another is called Comté, from its origin in Franche-Comté. A blind Emmentaler was made in Switzerland for export to Italy, where it was hardened in caves to become a grating cheese called Rappé, and now it is largely imitated there. Emmentaler, in fact, because of its piquant pecan-nut flavour and inimitable quality, is simulated everywhere, even in Switzerland. Besides phonies from Argentina and countries as far off as Finland, we get a flood of imported and domestic Swisses of all sad sorts, with all possible faults. From too many holes that make a flubbly wobbly cheese, to too few, cracked, dried up, collapsed, or utterly ruined by moulding inside. So, 
it will pay you to buy only the kind already marked genuine in Switzerland. For there, cheese such as Sarnen takes six years to ripen, improves with age, and keeps forever. Cartwheels well over a hundred years old are still kept in cheese cellars, as common in Switzerland as wine cellars are in France, and it is said that the rank of a family is determined by the age and quality of the cheese in its larder. End of chapter 3